Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Demon. I am joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. Some weeks it's harder to get started on the show, and some weeks you just make it easy on me. <laughs> the scarf and jacket... Right off the set of 1987 Ski Patrol? Is that what you were going for? It is colder than a well digger's backside outside. I'm doing anything I can to stay warm. Not to mention the fact that my apartment was built in the 60s, so that huge pane glass that leads out onto my patio uh, lets more heat out than it keeps in. So it's about 56. I've, I've been cold for 26 hours. And that's why you're dressed as Nanook of the North. Yes. Okay. Well, just as long as I got that, I mean... Now, I'm sorry. We're going to inter- introduce our, our guest in a moment. But I, first, I have to talk about this jacket. It's, it's a down-insulated jacket. I highly recommend, if you don't have one, go on Amazon, go on Sierra Trading Post, go wherever you can find inexpensive outdoor gear, and look for a packable down jacket. It fits in a little pouch about the size of a cantaloupe. And it is, it weighs nothing, and it is the warmest jacket. It's as warm as my $200 ski jacket. Very interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. The other thing that makes the show easy tonight is <laughs> we have a guest, Nate McIntyre with Miami Cigar Company. He's here. How are you doing tonight, Nate? Oh, doing fine. Just sitting here enjoying taking fashion tips from a guy in a scarf. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to be a long night. Doing what we can. <laughs> well, you have to understand, Trey's usually the bell of the ball. I'm usually the guy wearing the barrel with suspenders. Of course. And Trey's always dressed more to the hill. <laughs> and all that way, if he has to take some poor unsuspecting young lady to a three-hour documentary or something in, in lieu of a okay. real movie. So... <laughs> That, that's a callback. He he abused some young lady with a JF or who? What, LBJ. LBJ documentary. So, before, <laughs> stepping into something a little bit more enjoyable for me, let's light up some cigars. Now, Nate, you brought the cigars tonight, so yeah. why don't you tell us about what we're smoking? Uh, we are smoking tonight in the uh, Toro size, the Preferito Diamond, the Black Diamond from La Aurora. Um, now... These, we, what we call internally, we call these the Preferidos Parejos. Uh, they are uh, a Parejo format of the blends that many people are accustomed to seeing in humidors, the Tubos, uh, the tubos Preferidos. Um, many of you are, are familiar with seeing you know, the, the Emerald, the Diamond, the Platinum, all that in the Perfecto tube, the Double Perfecto tube. La Roa has been, they're, they're legendary having made that cigar now for over 100 years. Um, what's, what a lot of people don't uh, realize is that these cigars are the same exact blends that are available in the Tubos for basically half the price retail and, and in a standard size. So in other words, just match the, match the band color. This is the black diamond, the foot band's black, that's the same blend as in the black tube, and you're not paying around 20, you're paying around $10 for that cigar. Uh, it, our pro- the idea from La Aurora was to make these cigars available, uh, make these blends available uh, to people who don't necessarily want to purchase a Double Perfecto gift-style cigar all the time. We wanted to make these kind of a daily driver type smoke. Yeah, make it uh, a little more approachable. Right, absolutely. Make it make it more of an everyman approach where anyone can enjoy this blend. Uh, but like I said, this is the Black Diamond. It's a broadleaf, a Connecticut broadleaf. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how, how much into the blend you want to go just yet. Um, but uh, very, very nice cigar. One of my favorites from, from the La Aurora lineup. And okay. I, 
Oh, sorry. No, I was just I was going to lead I've you. I've got to ask the burning question. We have been asking this question on the cigar cast now for over a year. Why is the color of the band? Is there a international agreement that the color of the band will reflect the origin of the cigar? Everything Nicaraguan's orange. Everything Ecuadorian's <laughs> some shade of green. Everything. I think at some point somebody came up with a good idea, and there's no new. There are no new or very very few new ideas in the cigar business. So I think they take the <laughs> the, the path of least resistance and go. Well, that guy's did really well, and it was orange. Well, I think we should make ours orange too. You know, and <laughs> I, I think that's pretty much. You know, at least that's my shotgun opinion on it. Um, there, there has been no conclave gathered. Uh, there has been no smoke coming from the top of a factory somewhere to tell us what color a band we should go with. Uh, and in fact, if you look at you know the La Aurora lineup, for example, or anything from Miami Cigar for that for that matter, uh, there's a lot of variety in that that doesn't necessarily stick to the stick to those uh, those types. But I will say uh, I, I get what you mean. Uh, but you know, for some reason, creativity. Uh, it kind of comes and goes. <laughs> so, it, well, we prefer to call it organic. <laughs> of, so of so it's organically developed. Of yeah. course. Into this. Of course. So now, you and I have known each other for probably about four years now, mm-hmm. going back to probably the Wise Ash days back in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's House right. of Emilio. Uh-huh. Um, how long have you been with? So, how long have you been repping in the industry, and then how long now with Miami Cigar? Well, I actually started in the industry here at, when it, when Crown Cigars was Stogies. Okay. Back in the day, I was the first cigar manager behind behind the counter. I actually managed the humidor. We're actually sitting right now where the humidor used to be. Yeah. Um, and my job, you know, I, I had a day job. I've lived here in Middle Tennessee now for a uh, little over 12 years, yeah, and about 12 and a half years. And I uh, came working here at night, and the owner at the time wanted someone that somewhat knew cigars. And I guess I was the one that was, you know, the, the top level of what was available, which isn't saying much. <laughs> um, but we had that, uh, that relationship built, and it, it worked out really well. My job was to come in and basically say, we need this, we don't need that, we need this, we don't need that. This is too much, this isn't enough, you know, that type of thing. Um, and also to pull beer and, and run the store, you know, at night. And, and back in those days, we shut down at 12 and 1. Um, so there were a lot of nights where I was counting cash with my back to the window of the of Carruthers Parkway, which made me feel great. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that was, God, I can't even remember. That was when the store started. That was when this building opened up. Yeah, that was about 12 years ago. It was, now, it was, a, long t- it was a long time ago. Um, and then transitioned into that. I did some part-time brokerage just for fun. Uh, one of the one of the uh, brand owners of a cigar that I was just kind of a fan of came into the store one night and said, "You should sell cigars." And uh, I said, "I thought that's what I already did." You know, and <laughs> and uh, you know, he said, "No, you should go open up accounts." And I never, you know, and my naivete, you know, I was in my my mid my mid late twenties at that point, and my naivete, the. Uh, before I started working here, I just thought that cigar fairies showed up and dropped cigars into stores and that there were no other cigars available beyond what was in that store, and that's all we had. Um, and that's all that was available. And God, I learned really quick. Uh, that, that was not the case. Uh, but yeah, I started uh, just part-time. I literally, at my, at my office that I've worked at as a day job, I had my office computer to my left and to my right was a mobile phone and an iPad with a Bluetooth keyboard. And I was selling cigars with my right hand, and I was selling my daytime product with my left hand. And, and, and the company was totally good with it because they were all about making money and being an entrepreneur and that type thing. And, um, you know, we had some success with it. And then I met the guy. I met uh, the guys at Emilio Cigars. And 
uh, one thing led to another, and you know, it was either you know, in most things, I, I told I told somebody a long time ago when I was interviewing for a job not in the cigar business, I told them I said you're never going to have to worry about firing me because I'm either going to make you a lot of money, or I'm going to starve myself out because I'll suck at this job and I'll quit, so you never have to worry about firing somebody. <laughs> and, 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 you know, at the end of the day, that's really kind of where everybody is, I think. And that was my mentality, you know, with the cigar business. I, I was just thinking, you know, what's the worst that could happen is I'll suck at it, you know. And if I suck at it, I'll go find something else to be good at. And, uh, and it stuck. Uh, so we went with Emilio Cigars and then built House of Emilio, the distribution chain. And uh, then I spent some time with Cubanacan Cigars after, after oh, a while. Oh, I forgot about just that. For, just for a while, a couple years. And, and then I transitioned over with Miami Cigar. And, uh, and it's been a really, every step that I've taken, you know, I've, I've, I always try to learn from what I'm doing at the time. And I can honestly say that, you know, I don't really have any regrets. You know, it's, it's been good. Um, my, um, my path through the cigar business, in, in the grand scheme of things, has been pretty, in my, in my mind, it's been pretty inconsequential. Um, but I really, um, it's just like a lot of the people I'm sure that you talk to, uh, having built the relationships that I've built and me- meeting the retailers and consumers that I've met, uh, it's always been, uh, or for the most part, it's been a very positive experience. It's been an enriching thing. So I feel like, you know, if I were to have to leave tomorrow, I'm not really missing anything. You know, there's, <laughs> there's nothing that I would feel like, you know, dang it, I missed out on that, you know. Now, do you, it's funny because Miami Cigar does not feel like they do as many events at all. It seems like every time, you know, you turn around, there's a Drew Estate event going on somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's a you know, an Ashton event or something like that. It seems like Miami is kind of between Padron and Drew Estate. You know, Padron never. Yeah. Drew Estate all yeah. the time. What is there a company philosophy on that, or is it just, how does that work? Well, how do y'all decide? that's now part of what I do. Um, as marketing coordinator, I also have some sales management responsibilities um, to work alongside uh, Hector Paz, our national sales director. Um, but part of what I'm, I'm doing is looking at our, uh, our event systems, um, our approach to events. To answer your question directly, to this point, no, we, you know, I, there was, there was, we know what we want to have happen at events, but there was no overarching mentality about it, you know, per se. There was no, there was no Ten Commandments of Miami Cigar Events. Um, now, my personal mentality is, um, I want cigars. I want to work. I, I want our cigars to be cigars that people smoke regardless of events. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's what I want. I want the I want cigars. You know, my favorite cigars are companions. You know, to to me, it's it's one that I don't have to have a rep come up to me and twist my arm to sell. <laughs> um, now, also, you know, we're 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 rolling out some new things in this upcoming year that are really going to make our events a, a great, a worthwhile investment for retailers. Um, but at the same time, I want our cigars, like I said, to be a companion. I want it to be the cigar that that you're going to go in and you're going to buy because you like it. Not because somebody threw, you know, a bucket of gold watches or something at you to, to buy a five-pack, you know. Um, so that, that's my mentality with it. So, first, another burning question in my life. The La Aurora, is it the DNA or the ADM? It's both. In Spanish, DNA is ADN. It, it, that's just how the, how the acronym comes out. It's ADN Dominicano. Or DNA, or Dominican DNA. So it's either way. On the band, because La, you know, La Aurora, this is, this is the heart of Dominican cigars. Um, this is what they wanted to present 
as, as the, the DNA of Dominican cigar making. Uh, so on the band, it is a, you know, ADN Dominicano, it's, it's Dominican DNA. But also you'll notice on the band as well, it, it says DNA, a Dominican DNA. Okay, well, yeah. I'm, you know, somebody, we should have a meeting and just say, okay, we're going to call it ADN, <laughs> we're going to call it DNA, but there's this dude in Brentwood, Tennessee that plays <laughs> poker and smokes these on Tuesday nights that needs to know. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter who I say, oh, yeah, the ADN. Oh, you mean the DNA. Okay, the DNA. No, you mean the ADN. Yeah, oh, yeah, who's on first? Nuts. Yeah. Who, yeah, who's on first? No, you can call it the really freaking great cigar. That's, just, that's okay go. with me. Give, you, you have licensing to name it what you want. Thank you. I've, I've had it. Did Allie just blow up the bar? I was trying to figure out what that noise was. Listeners will have heard whatever. It sounded like a shuttle taking off or something. The cappuccino machine just went <laughs> wrong. Knowing Allie, I saw like three unicorns run out the back, too. So you never know. <laughs> it's just, a, just thought I would check. You know, he's explaining this great thing about the ADN, and, and Allie all you can hear is the place to the ground. Back at, yeah. <laughs> My blood type is butane. I had to get the <laughs> Yo, the, more so than any other environment in a cigar shop, with so much exposed flame, you pay attention to the sound I of know, gas right? hissing. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Seems like you're on point at all times. <laughs> so, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, sure. what lines, what are the most popular lines represented by Miami Cigar Company? Uh, well, I mean, on our, what we, you know, on our uh, non-flavored side, uh, there's there's really a lot of buzz behind a lot of things. Of course, everyone knows the Nestor Miranda collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the flagship Miami cigar. That's Nestor's line. Some really exciting things coming up for that, which I, I can't go into quite yet. <laughs> but some really exciting things coming up with that in the coming year. They haven't really had a new release on that line in a while. Well, the it? latest was in 16. Yeah. And that's the Corojo. And if you haven't smoked the Nesta Miranda Collection Corojo, it's the yellow highlighted, you know, the, the green, the blue, and the red. Then we released the yellow label, the Corojo. It's a, the only Nicaraguan Puro available from the entire portfolio of Miami cigar. Hmm. It's an amazing cigar. Um, then, of course, on, on La Aurora, uh, DNA has made a lot of noise, uh, a hell of a lot of noise right now. Uh, DNA, That's ADM. That too, <laughs> yes. Thanks for the translation. Um, you've got... Um, also, uh, the Time Capsule series, the 1987, the 1962, and the 1903 Cameroon, plus the Parejos, the ones that we're smoking tonight, the Preferidos Parejos. Those are making a lot of noise. Of course, everyone knows Tatiana. Yeah. Tatiana's a beast. Um, this year, coming year, is our 20th anniversary for Tatiana. Oh, wow. Uh, we have a lot of anniversaries coming up at Miami in the next year and a half, two years. And then, of course, uh, Toscano. Toscano is, is a cigar that a lot of people, um, you know, it's not a humidor product. It's a dry-cured cigar. It's the oldest, the only handmade cigar factory in the entire continent of Europe. Uh, it is the oldest. It's 200 years old this coming year. Uh, wow. It, yeah, that's, by the way, for those of you that see those cigars, that is, that's not a Perotti sitting there on the counter. That's the cigar that Clint Eastwood smoked in all of his old westerns. Um, <laughs> really, really great cigars. And Austin's got them up by the register yeah, here. Yeah, and they sell extremely well. There are customers here who buy them by the 50-count brick. They're, they're excellent. Yeah. I, was, I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. I had a, a buddy of mine buy me one one time because he had found them and was really lucky. He said, if you had one of these yet, and he put one in my hand, and I was really... They, the only thing I think, the only cigar I can think to compare it with is the Villager that they did the same way, the uh-huh. dry-cured, uh-huh. Um, and this knocks that out and that a lot. Was, and that was a European-style dry-cured cigar as well. You know, you have to understand it's a whole, a whole different world over there. Yeah. And um, the guy, but I will say this, that the, the management team at Toscano are absolutely 
fabulous to work with. They are amazing people. Uh, their goal is to introduce Toscano to the United States, and their mentality is let's meet, let's meet American cigar smokers where they're at, and let's try to, you know, let's do what we can to introduce it to as many people as possible. There's no ego there. Let me tell you, that there are more Toscano cigars sold in the continent of Europe than there are Cuban cigars. Oh. Okay? Um, something to the tune of 230 million Toscanos sold last year. Um, and these guys, they are the big dog in Europe. And if they wanted to have ego, I don't know anybody who has a license to have it more so than they. And um, But at the end of the day, Luciano, Bernardo, all these guys, they're absolutely fabulous to work with. And there are a lot of PO, like POS presentation things, the individual's tray that they design for us and whatnot. They ask us at Miami Cigar, what can we do to help you? And that is the great, as a distributor, that is the most wonderful question in the world to hear. Um, and, and we gave them some ideas. They perfected the ideas. They put their own twist on it. And next thing you they know. Put they put that Italian flair on it. They put that Italian flair on it, yeah. And, you know, wearing suits that only you could pull off. And, and, <laughs> and at the end of the day, they, um, they, they brought a product to market that is consistently growing. We've seen a notable increase in, mar in market share and sales every month since we brought it to market. Uh, so that's been an exciting project uh, to bring out. How long is it now that, that you've been bringing those to market? The middle of 16 okay. was really when it began to take traction. Um, and, but it's the same deal. You know, I, I love introducing people to it the first time um, because they don't realize the little things that you can do with a dry-cured, uh, dry cured, uh, that format, uh, as, as you can, that you cannot do with a classic uh, Latin American parejo. Uh, the things like they call it the friendship cigar over there. Uh, you can take one Toscano, a long format, take one Toscano, cut it in half. You have two cigars. It'll take you 30 minutes a piece. It's a lunch break. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, we joke about, you know, I've seen a guy cut a cigar in half and try to save it for later, which he, we, know, we all know what happens to what we consider a traditional cigar when you do that. And we all kind of chuckle and laugh at the same guy who, you know, sniffs the cellophane. Um, but... These cigars are meant for that. It's a different approach, but all the time, premium tobacco. Every bit, this is not throwaway. This, this, is, this is not picadura. This is real premium tobacco from Tuscany, from Italy, and also from 45 minutes up the road in White House, Tennessee. Huh. So, I mean, the wrapper on the Antico is a Tennessee-grown wrapper just right up the road. Really? Yeah. I yeah. had no idea. Absolutely. And, and so um, you, get that, it, it, you get that amazing, like the 1492, by the way, is 100% American. It's Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, and uh, Kentucky. Hmm. So those, those type things, uh, when people learn them and they smoke it, they're like, holy hell, this is actually really, really good. So, so oh, go <laughs> sorry. So I'm actually going to be in Italy this summer. Uh-huh. Um, is is the cigars that I'm are am I going to be able to find cigars with any regularity? Oh, yeah. And is that going to be most of what I see? Yes. In, in Italy, they have ninety six percent market share. Okay. Yeah, you'll see them everywhere. Tobacco so it's a good thing sold. I like them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll see them everywhere tobacco is sold. There are a few uh, aromatics, especially that are available there that are not available here. Um, but for the most part, the aromatic, even that what we consider flavored, they, they are not, these are not flavored cigars. These are aromatic cigars. They, they use natural processes to infuse a little bit of, of extra to their, their, their uh, Toscanellos. Um, they're all really, really good. Yeah, you'll be able to find a lot of stuff over there. We just introduced the anise, uh, but there's cho uh, chocolate, and I'm not even going to try to sound Italian the way they pronounce it or the way they print it, but <laughs> there's chocolate and vanilla and cafe and grappa and uh, a number of other flavors that are available. Uh, yeah, the chocolate's one of my favorites. I'm not even, even going to lie. It's a great little. It's a great little aromatic cigar. It smells like 
your grandfather's pipe. Oh, okay. It, it's it's an amazing smoke. I, you know, it's a it's an infused cigar that a dude can smoke with his head held high and keep his man card. It's totally fine. <laughs> okay, so nuts and bolts. Yeah. Talk about dry curing. How does dry curing work in the the most basic of terms? Um, well, they use heat and smoke to affect the tobacco, and then they they uh, you know they hang it in the barn, and instead of you know the, the traditional way of what we would see in the barns where they hang it and wait for it to to color age to go to you know go from green to brown they actually uh light a fire underneath the floor in the barn using different types of woods and that heat and smoke actually interact with the leaf cause a different reaction they ship that leaf then to italy where it's where they do some more fermentation and by the time it's done uh you have a product that needs no humidification Hmm. Uh, it does kill off a few things in the leaf that, that make it have to have that constant humidity. It makes it, it's hard. Uh, I keep a five pack of Toscanos in my golf bag at all times uh, because I can bang it around, throw it in a cart. If I drop one, it was a great cigar, but luckily it's $5 as opposed to 12 and yeah. uh, I, can, I, can smoke, I can smoke another one and it's great. It's all the flavor I need. And, and people don't realize also that when you smoke one of those cigars, it roughly takes the same amount of time as it does a cigar, of a, a classic traditional American style cigar. Um, it takes roughly the same amount of time to smoke it. A, a, Tos- a Toscano long format is going to take you 45 minutes at least. Oh, wow. Now, are the Toscano the... the um Aromatics are they coming soon? Are y'all going to be bringing those over here? They're, they're already available in tobacconists that have brought them in. Uh, now here at Crown, they don't. He doesn't carry. You know, Austin doesn't carry a lot of flavors, right. um, but they are available in the United States already, and you can find them in tobacconists near you. Try and make a note for me to get my wife to yell at Austin about that. All right. <laughs> I'm telling you, the, the chocolate's legit. The chocolate is really, really good. Well, my wife enjoys cigars with me, and mm-hmm. her favorite cigars are the flavor-infused cigars. Mm-hmm. So something like that. So she knows Tatiana very well. Yeah, she knows Tatiana. She knows the Drew Estate products. Mm-hmm. She knows a lot of the flavored products that she really enjoys. Um, but something like that. Certainly. Standardly, the chocolate tends to be the matter of fact. The first cigars she smoked were Tatiana Grape. Mm, of the Groovy Blue. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And they're just they're grape flavored. I mean, that's really <laughs> all you can say about them. And that's that was the first thing she smoked. And then she's branched off into different mm-hmm. different styles and different types of cigars. Where are the Tatianas made? La Aurora. Okay, so they made. Where's that? Is it Dominican? Dominican factory? Republic. Right. Okay, so they are made in Dominican. Yeah, the oldest, the oldest factory in the Dominicans in the Dominican Republic. They they started the Dominican cigar business, in 1903. Really? Yeah. And and the cool thing is, you know, there's not been a big corporate buyout. They're owned by the same family. They've been owned by the same family from the day they opened, from the time that Eduardo Leon Jimenez started the company until all the way today, where Guillermo Leon owns it. Um, it's it's been one family, one philosophy. Uh, largely speaking, one mentality in making cigars from the day that they opened in 1903. And you can find really, like, the uh, the institutional logo of La Aurora is the front of the old factory. That, it's still there. You can walk in the door right now, and they've got a really nice tour, you know, uh, tour system and, and tour experience, but you can still walk in the old door, and and it's, it's a lot bigger now. <laughs> uh, hell of a lot bigger. But, um, yeah, one family, and they, they, they were there when nobody else was making cigars of any kind of uh, significance in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, because I guess most of the cigar industry probably didn't come over until to the Dominican, probably right. to about the 50s or so, right? Right, yeah, this, this is not a, a Cuban transplant company. This is a Dominican company 
making Dominican cigars the Dominican way. So what's the Lion logo all about? Leon, the Leon, Leon. family. Leon yeah, family. It's their family symbol. Okay, so it's a part of their crest. Ab- absolutely. See, I mean, I'm getting all these questions answered tonight that really just fascinates <laughs> me. I now know that I can call it either DNA or ADN. Right. I know what the line's all about. Well, you've spent so much time smoking La Aurora cigars lately. I'm sure you've had a chance to, you know, really get to know the label and get to <laughs> Well, and as marketing director, this is something you really should hit on with the DNA. Mm-hmm. I've won poker three weeks in a row while smoking the DNA. It's my go-to poker smoke. It seems to bring good cards to me. <laughs> I like as marketing director, you really should embrace this as a pattern. Now you're just giving away your secret. That's all it is. <laughs> hey, I've got no problems with it because when they find out about it, everybody else is going to be smoking it as well. Right. Kind of negates your luck, but frankly, I don't care. Well, <laughs> lucky for one, lucky for all. Yeah, right. And uh, well, we need to step away for just a second for a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you some more questions about the Miami cigar line. I'm interested. I ran across, I was in a shop in Miami getting ready to get on a boat, and there was something interesting. Miami Cigar happened there I want to talk to you about. And we just want to talk more about the line and about what it's like just living the dream, living the cigar line. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting here with Trey Dedman. Welcome back, everybody. And Nate McIntyre from Miami Cigars. Howdy, honey, honey. Um, during the break, I got to yell at Austin and find out where my chocolate Toscanos are. Mission accomplished, I say. And all, that's, all, that's always fun. You always get to take just a minute to find out. But if there's a chocolate cigar out there, how hard is that not to get in here? Right. I mean, he, sh- he should have been on top of that immediately. <laughs> but coming back, so the Preferitos, I smoked one when they first come out. I smoked the green label, mm-hmm. the Emerald. In the tube? Uh, no, it was the... The regular when sizes. These, the when Perejos. Austin first brought these in, I mm-hmm. smoked these because mm-hmm. I was on a real La Aurora kick. For, right. I was six a weeks on a La Aurora yeah. kick. <laughs> <laughs> and the, um, the green is, of course, the Ecuador because green's the national color of Ecuador. Apparently. And really enjoyed it, but this is my first of the broadleaf. Mm-hmm. And I like the Connecticut broadleaf. And y'all have one of these, is it San Andreas? No, there's not a San Andreas. Uh, there, there are six uh, Parejos format uh, preferidos. The, the Sapphire is the Connecticut, uh, Ecuadorian Connecticut. Really, really nice, mild cigar. Uh, classic Dominican Connecticut profile. Very refined. Here's the thing about the, the preferitos. All the, all the tobaccos used in the filler of the preferitos are a minimum eight years aged. And that's why they're slightly higher price point, is that you're dealing with, frankly, more time, aging, uh, maturing, just a lot more nuance in that tobacco than if you're dealing with something of four to six years. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I'm going from mild to full on this one. Uh, the Platinum is the Cameroon. That's one of my absolute favorite cigars. You and I both share a love for Cameroon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that cigar. Cameroon, if it's done right, can be really, really good. Um, and, and this one is done extremely well. Uh, very nuanced with that good little pepper. And it's toothy as hell. It's really, really nice. Uh, moving up the scale, there's the gold, the Corojo. It's a classic Dominican Corojo uh, profile. Really nice. Um, 
Then you've got, uh, I would say next on the totem pole in terms of body would be the Ruby. Uh, that's a Brazilian Maduro. Um, it is, yes, it's a Maduro. Yes, it's dark. No, it's not strong. It's, it's one of those that I, I like to introduce people to it that are just stepping into something that's got a little more body to it. It's got that classic cinnamon baking spice zing that, that a good Brazilian uh, has. Uh, then there's the Ecuador. Um, to me, it's like molasses and cayenne. Just really, really nice. I love that Ecuador a lot. Uh, and then what we're smoking, what I think is the fullest bodied of the Preferidos, the Black Diamond, uh, the Broadleaf, uh, which was an addition to the, to the Preferido line later on. Uh, and then, of course, there is the Double Barrel Age, which only comes in the tube. Uh, that is the, uh, it's the, uh, it's not really bronze. It's kind of a, a hybrid baby of bronze and, and copper. Uh, kind of a dark, dark bronze-looking tube. If you see that, it is, it's aged for twice as long. All the tobacco at La Aurora is aged in uh, used whiskey barrels. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, And they're at the factory. Anybody that takes the tour has seen it. It's not marketing. I've posted it on my Instagram. <laughs> it's real. Um, you can actually see these. And, and this, the filler in this cigar is just aged twice as long in those barrels. It gives it a, it's one of the richest cigars. And don't, don't hear me wrong when I say strongest. I'm saying richest cigars that you might can smoke. A uh, really, really nice cigar. But that cigar, for the lack of a better term, it would be the brown label, but that, that color tube is only available in the Double Perfecto tube. One of the things I'm noticing, uh, this doesn't, and, and this goes to that eight years that it's been aging, I'm sure, is the fact that it's not nearly as toothy as your typical Connecticut Broadleaf. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, it's very well balanced, very smooth. There's not a whole lot of harshness to it that oftentimes I find in Broadleaf wrap cigars. Right. I, I mean, I, I would agree with that. The, the thing about, it's one of the things I, I like about having conversations with guys who actually care about tobacco and actually smoking cigars the right way. Um, many, many times people make the mistake of confusing, of confusing certain complexities of smoking a cigar, say spice and whatnot, with harshness. Mm. Um, and we all know what harshness really is. It's that ammonia, youth, that fierceness that you sometimes get in a, in a cigar that may not be improperly aged, it's just younger. You know, um, these cigars, the thing that you're going to get from every Preferito, no matter what the blend, is maturity. You're not going to get that kind of acrid, I need to wash my palate out essence to it. I mean, to me, this, this diamond, I, I don't like going into tasting notes. Um, you know, it's one of those where, you know, tasting notes are subject, as subjective as whether or not somebody thinks a woman is attractive. Um, but... You know, to me, it's going to be that cigar that if you were to put a label on what you taste, to me, it's just dark, dark co uh, coffee and cocoa. And, yeah. And, I mean, it's just really rich and smooth. Um, and that comes from the maturity of the tobacco, for sure. Manuel Noah, he knows what he's doing. He's the maestro uh, behind every leaf of tobacco that comes out of La Aurora. <laughs> um, and he's my friend, so I'm biased, but he's a wonderful guy. He knows his stuff. He's been in the business for going on 35 years. Um, you know, he, he, his mentor was Benji Menendez. Um, so he comes from a great pedigree of tobacco knowledge. And um, and when these so every cigar from La Aurora, including the DNA slash ADN, uh, <laughs> every one of those are his baby. Um, but I, I'll tell you, um, this is not a new project. It's just new sizes. But it's really nice to be able to bring it to people who who would not necessarily have smoked it before. Um, because when they smoke it, they go, "Holy hell! This is a really these are really great blends." 
Yeah. And then, I, so is the, is the, I mean, the eight-year aging is definitely longer than industry standard. Is that something that they've been doing for a while? Is that kind of a, a family thing? Or is that something that they're doing? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's um, the, the actual time of the aging, you know, I can't speak to 20 years ago. Uh, but I can tell you that the, the Preferitos being their flagship line have always gotten the, the baby treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at the factory, especially when it comes to the double perfectos, the ones in the tubos, not everybody's able to roll those cigars. Um, I know that everybody, you know, or at least a lot of people that you may talk to in the industry talk about, well, only our best rollers can make this cigar. And, you know, we, they, speak, they sprinkle it with fairy dust and all. And, you know, <laughs> if you walk into the factory at La Aurora, you will see the few tables on the rolling floor where the Preferitos rollers work. Uh, the, the roller, the standard roller at La Aurora makes 300 cigars a day. The Preferito rollers are only allowed to make 100 cigars a day. You have to have worked at La Aurora for 10 years to apply for the position of rolling the Preferitos. <laughs> um, so they, there is a lot of attention to detail, a lot of time uh, that, that they spend on making sure that people get the absolute best experience possible when it comes to this line. Because when you're walking to the rolling floor, you're walking past displays showing historic packaging from La Aurora. And one of those is the original Preferito tube from way back in the day, when it was a metal tube with a little emerald in it. <laughs> um, so it, it's they care about it. I mean, they care about all the cigars they make, but this is a special product and it has been for a very, very long time. And so they're, the the rollers that are rolling the Preferitos, that's, that's all, or the, the Double Perfectos, that's all they're rolling. When they're rolling Perfecto, when they're rolling the uh, Preferitos Perfectos, that's what they're doing that day. There's no spillover there. You know, they, they have to spend all their time, because look, it's really, really hard yeah. to make a Double Perfecto with precision, you know, that's, that's going to burn. Yeah. Um, and plus keeping the blend ratios right, because as you know if you smoke that shape you know that it does something at the light as opposed you know and it kind of transitions to the middle and then transitions to the end the taper on the end it takes a lot of artistry it's where artistry meets science and, and it takes it takes a special person paying special attention to be able to do that the proper way how many rollers do you guys have at the La Aurora factory uh, it varies um, you you know you walk in on the floor and I'm I have not counted I'm going to be you know I'll be straight up honest with you but you look out on the floor, and if I, if memory serves me right, there's going to be about, I'd say, 40 to 50 tables. Okay. Yeah. So it's not going to be the largest rolling room you've ever seen. Uh, but those, but we make so many different cigars from day to day. It's going to be different what they're making. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be interesting for them as well, because it's not just the same thing day in day out. It's it's changing it up. It's. Well, yeah, and the fact of the matter is. Um, while I, I can't speak to their mentality, um, I can tell you that I've never seen a happier group of, of workers. Um, you, walk, you walk into La Aurora and there are smiles across the board. They, I don't care if they're rolling cigars or packing boxes or sliding cellophane on. One of my favorite rooms to go into at the factory at La Aurora is the packaging room. Because those girls are crazy. They, they are an absolute riot to, to, to just watch work. And you walk in, they're, 
they're dancing with people that come through and smiling and having a great time. It, you can tell it's a family business, and that's why La Aurora as a family business and Miami Cigar as a family business have jived so well for so long. It's you know this is this is not some big corporate entity that you're dealing with. Our office in Miami is a patently unimpressive facility. You know it's it's a room with a cubicle with cubicles. Uh, we've got about you know shotgunning I'd say six to eight people that are in there at any given time, and then you've got our warehouse crew. You've got two big warehouses that are connected to the office. It's cubicles. The only interesting place in our in our office is the war room where Nestor has all of his kills or a lot of his you know, a lot of his hunting kills, and and Nestor comes in and it's always a party when Nestor shows up. Um, but the vibe that you get from the crew at Miami Cigar, be it Jason or Caesar or Nestor or Mariana or Tatiana or any of them, it's always one all the way down to just the people that are answering the phone. I like to call up. We have one girl at the office that she, her job is to process orders. And I love just giving her hell, you know, just for fun, <laughs> you know, calling her up. And back when I was a sales rep, I'd call her up and say, hey, how's it's your favorite sales rep? What you doing? Yeah. And she just, you could tell she's like, what do you want, Nate? Leave me alone. But <laughs> we have a great time with it. Um, it's, it's a fun atmosphere. We've always had fun. Uh, and Miami, that was one of the things that when, you know, I was not working for Miami Cigar, that's one of the things that, that I noticed about them is that when they're together, they love doing what they do. And it's really fun for me to be a part of it uh, because it's, it's not like they're going and putting on a corporate face in a cigar shop and then they leave the room and there's drama. No, we, we just have a good time doing what we do. And, that's, and that comes straight from the roots that Nestor and Mariana founded the company with. There's hustle, you know. Nestor Miranda is one of the hardest working men the cigar business has ever seen. Mariana is behind the scenes and she's one of the hardest working people the cigar industry ever saw. But I will tell you um, that if we hustle, and, and our sales team knows it, if they hustle and they're out there doing and doing the thing, doing their jobs, then Nobody has a better time than we do. <laughs> Nobody has a better time than we do. And that's, that's one of the things among many that I really love about the company. So let's break down. Let's talk nuts and bolts for a second. I've spoke about Andullo Tobacco mm -hmm. here on the show, but give people a brief description on exactly what Andullo is. Andullo is an ancient process. Uh, I'd say it goes back about 400 years. Not, not truly ancient, but in our terms, it's in American terms, it's certainly ancient. Um, <laughs> You know, 15 minutes ago was ancient history, right? Um, and Duyo is a process in which um, tobacco is laid out and wrapped with uh, palm leaves, made into something called a yawa. And that yawa, it's Y-A-G-U-A. And, and the yawa then is pressure tied, and we use many of the same tools that they used hundreds of years ago on the island. What it does is it compacts that tobacco into a very dense roll. It looks like a tree branch. If any, if anybody was at IPCPR, we actually put a Yawa on the display of DNA uh, of the DNA display. You can see it on uh, a lot of the websites that came to the trade show. If you didn't get a chance to go, you can look it up. Just look up La Aurora Andullo, A-N-D-U-L-L-O. Um, and what it does is it. Hi I, I like to say it hyper ferments. It just ferments quicker. It's a quicker process. Um, and when it comes out, it's hard. I mean, it feels like the, the top of this table. Uh, and traditionally speaking, it was used as chewing tobacco. They would just chop it off with a machete or they would uh, pack it into a pipe, that type of thing. Um, we have a cousin in the United States to that tobacco. It's called Perique. Yeah. It's a very similar mm -hmm. process. If, for you, I'm a pipe guy too. I love smoking pipes. And, and so a very similar process, the old ship tobacco that they, would, that they would have, the sailor tobacco, when they wrap that tobacco in sails, 
to, to be able to ferment that tobacco and make it do something, they got that from the Dominican Republic. They got that from Anduillo. Um, but the Anduillo, but this cigar, the, the DNA cigar, is, is the one that has used it as long filler. So it's very detailed. And if you were to ask me how exactly they turn this into long filler, I couldn't tell you. I'm not that smart. Uh, but, but they take the tobacco instead of chopping it. And there have been a few cigars that have used Mixville, that mm-hmm. used Mixville Anduillo in the past. But now you get to experience the center of that cigar married with some great Lijero, and, and it gives you a very distinct flavor essence. I mean, you know, you've smoked enough of it. It is something, it tastes different from any other Dominican cigar that you may have smoked in the past. Um, and it comes from that, that hyper-fermentation uh, that it experiences. And if you go to the factory now, you're going to see the piles of Yawa uh, in, in the aging room. Manuel poses for pictures next to them. They look like huge ears of corn. But really, really distinct. But it's a process. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a special strain of tobacco. You, know, you didn't go back and find something from 400 years ago that you know, was magical. Uh, it is, but the process is one that people haven't used for centuries. And it was really fun to bring it back because it's distinctly Dominican. And that's the idea. They, this, is a, this is the definition of a Dominican cigar. So if you claim that you like Dominican cigars and you've never tried Anduillo, you haven't tried all that there is from the Dominican Republic. This is the heart of it. This is the OG. This is, this is the 1920s Yankees. Okay? <laughs> So is when they get ready to put it into the bundles, into the palm leaves, is it prime tobacco? Is it um, stalk cut? How is the tobacco harvested to go into this? Well, they, they hang it and ferment it just like you would any other, any other, and sort it just like you would any other tobacco. So this is more part of the aging process yes. than necessarily part of the, from the, they right. don't prime it off the stalk and then put it in the bundles. No, yeah, no, leaves. no, it, it is, you know, it's fermented, you know, it's brown, in other words. Uh, and then it goes into the yellow. So I haven't seen the picture. Are they football size, watermelon size? Um, what I, would, size? I would say these go from five to six feet in length. Oh, okay. But but the but the diameter is probably the size of a grapefruit. Anybody at the office ever tried to light one of those? Uh, well, you couldn't, get, you couldn't get air through it. <laughs> oh, okay. I just, I but I'm sure, I'm sure there is somebody in a cigar shop somewhere that's saying, I'm your Huckleberry, let me try this. You know? um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's not meant to be smoked that way. Yeah. So, moving on to, I was down in Miami. I was getting ready to get onto a cruise boat. Went into a little cigar shop right there by the cruise port. And I've asked the question I ask when I go into any cigar shop when I'm traveling. What can I get here that I can't get anywhere else? Mm-hmm. And he brought me a Miami cigar that said Miami cigars on there. And he was, said, this is the only place you can get it. Is that y'all's or is that just somebody in Miami making cigars? Well, it, it, the, the one that I'm familiar with that we did that said Miami cigar on it, uh, was it a black and silver band, a double banded? Yes. That's the, that was the 25th anniversary cigar. Okay. That was we had a Dominican and a Nicaraguan release, um, and those are unicorns. If you ever, <laughs> I, there are a few in the wild. We made this was that was from uh, the 2014 25th anniversary of Miami Cigar. Okay. Um, so if you see them in the wild, they don't exist anymore. We made humidors with the logo on it. It's a really sweet logo. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, the, that if if it is what I'm thinking that it is, um, then that's it was either the Dominican or the Nicaraguan. That's well. I remember I picked up the Nicaraguan because I'm a Nicaraguan tobacco fan. Mm-hmm. 
And I'll now, in hindsight, I should, oh, wait, everybody duck. Oh, that guy, two cigars that's coming in the shop. <laughs> Nobody let him know I'm here. It's a good but, thing we don't look very conspicuous over here with three microphones. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, and it seems like that's what he told me, is that one was Dominican and one was Nicaraguan. Right. So that is a Miami cigar yes. product. Okay. Yes. Very special project from, from almost five years ago. I was just being sure I wasn't buying a bootleg Miami cigar from somewhere. <laughs> Always concerned about well, those issues. Well, when you buy it out of a guy not wearing anything but a trench coat, you know, you never know for sure. <laughs> hey, well, That's back alley cigars aside. <laughs> so one of the things that we like to ask every guest that we have on for the first time is your Desert Island cigar. Mm-hmm. So, and so far, very few people have actually answered this. Uh, most people are always, oh, there's a two or there's three or whatever, but if... One cigar, price being no object, and unlimited quantities, but it's only this cigar for the rest of your life. What is your smoke? Um, I would give you. I would give you two, and I'm, I'm gonna no, and, and I'm gonna. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna give you two, but I'm gonna give you direct answers. Um, number one uh, would be the Don Lino Africa, the original Africa that came out years and years ago when I first got into the cigar business. Uh, the most beautiful packaged cigar I've ever seen. And it was one of the most delicious Cameroons I've ever smoked. Okay. An outstanding, outstanding cigar. Do you remember those? They I the, don't. The, okay. They had the, ele- it looked like a safari package, had the elephants. And yes. That's, that's the one. Uh, everybody remembers the ashtray. Yeah. You know, you know? Yeah. Um, it was absolutely exquisite in every sense of the word. Uh, and that was one of Nestor's babies because Nestor, uh, he loved traveling. He always has going on safari, whether it be a hunting safari or now photo safaris and whatnot. Um, but that, that was one of his. The other one would be the Nestor Miranda Grand Reserve 2011, the green label. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with what I'm talking about there? Uh, it uh, had a green and gold band on it. came out of the My Father factory. Uh, yes. I smoked several of those. Excellent. Excellent blend. Uh, that, and both of them are just exquisite cigars. Uh, it's hard to pick just one. Uh, but but I, would, I would say for sure that those two are at the very tip top of the list. So I, I love that my, the My Father Factory does so many collaborations because I, I love their stuff. But I think more so than how much I enjoy smoking their cigars, I love the cigars that other people make in their factory. Pepin's a good man. Yeah. He's a really, really good man. They do excellent work there. I mean, they make the Nesta Miranda collection. A lot of people still don't understand that or, or realize that the, the NMC, the Connecticut, Habano, Maduro, and Corojo are all made at the My Father Factory. Uh, and they're, I mean, excellent cigars. But Pepin, Pepin knows his stuff. This is not breaking news from some random redneck <laughs> yeah. from Alabama. Um, he does great work. Yeah. So we have a segment on the show, Cigar Under $8. Mm-hmm. If someone wants a great Miami cigar under $8, what do they pick up? Mild, medium, or full? Uh, let's go medium. Medium. 1960, uh, 1962 Corojo Time Capsule. Re- the retail price, the SRP on that is five seventy five. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, they have them here. Amazing cigars. Uh, one of the best values. And the price points, regardless, in that line, there's a Corojo, the 1962. These all commemorate the first year that La Aurora used those wrappers. The 1987 Connecticut or the 1903 Cameroon. <laughs> and de- re- whether you like Connecticut, Cameroon, or Corojo, they're all going to be the same price point. The Toro is going to be five seventy-five, and that's you know that's full retail, uh, you know minus taxes. And uh, price I, and participation may vary. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Caveat emptor. But um, the you know for the value, you can't beat it. 
you just absolutely can't beat it. You can smoke them all day long. So give me the recipe of that cigar. What's the what's the binder, filler, what's the combo? Corojo wrapper, it's, it's a uh, Nicaraguan, or excuse me, I want to say, a yes, Nicaraguan binder with a blend of Dominican and Nicaraguan filler. Uh, pretty simple blend. We use throwback packaging, really cool old cube style boxes with the lid that pops up, paper wrapped, you know, cream and uh, cream box with a red border around it and the lion logo on the top. It's really nostalgic, the whole line is. Um, but they're just meant to be everyday, like I said, daily driver cigars uh, that you can just. And, and to me, I know it's not the I know it's not the most popular Vitola in America, but to me, especially in the Connecticut and the Corojo, to me the best size is the Churchill. That I mean, you can get a full size seven by forty eight Church or seven by forty nine Churchill for six dollars. That's that's amazing. Made at a legendary factory by skilled artisans and, and these you know these are not people that just popped up out of nowhere and you know but but they are uh, they make amazing cigars there um, but the but these cigars for that value you cannot beat it that 19 that 1987 it's I've, I've game tested it uh, it's full nine holes of tobacco uh, in, in that 1987 Churchill especially but you know depending on what you like in the blend that line is something you have to smoke and it's a hit for us. It's a great seller. I'm going to have you walk me in the humidor when we wrap this sure. up and show me. Sure. Well, and the way I play golf, a, sa- a safari cigar is exceptionally <laughs> accurate. Do you have one that comes with a machete so he can cut through the tall grass? <laughs> we'll throw one at him. I mean, that's about it. Yeah, it's... It, don't worry if you throw it at me, it'll go right. Yeah, there, there, is, there, is, no, there is no manner of golf club that can fix that problem. <laughs> but... That's a really good cigar. You know, like I said, I went on a La Aurora kick. I guess I was I was four or five weeks of just La Aurora. I don't yeah. know what happened, but I just went on that kick and really enjoyed that product. The Nesta Muradas have not really made it into my rotation yet, but now having talked to you, I'm going to have to try to... I'm definitely going to have to try the sure. the Nesmerata type brand. They are a great lunch cigar because they tend to come in the smaller Vitolas, at least where the shops around here that carry them. The, the smaller size that we have is called the Coffee Break. Yeah. It's a, it's a four and a half by 50, short Robusto. It's a great little smoke. And it, it would be perfect for you sitting outside your office or on a little short break, whatever. Whenever I'm smoking on my lunch break, a lot of times I'll grab one of those. And you're in that cigar for $7. Yeah, you know, um, you know, it's it's uh, the price point, especially having come from such a great factory at my father, um, is really competitive. Yeah, really, really competitive. Now, we talk about the the wrappers on cigars a lot here, and we talk about whether the wrapper is the rough feel or it's the smoother feel. It seems like we have a lot less tooth on the wrappers for La Aurora. It seems like they're always smoother. They have that sanded and finished type feel is that by design is that a dominican thing or is that just the way it works out for well y'all? we used uh 3, grit sandpaper on every cigar that, <laughs> that, that, that we were uh, no you know it, it's it's not by design there's no manipulation of the tobacco to give it that appearance um you know the cameroon that we use especially say check out that i'll show you that 1903 time capsule cameroon i mean it's toothy super toothy um, but then again, you're not going to, like, for instance, if you're looking at a Connecticut, it's just not a natural aspect of that tobacco to be toothy. Um, and, and, what the, and what they choose to use on the certain blends at La Aurora, you're going to get the classic definition of what each one of those wrappers should be. Um, the Sumatra is very rustic. You know, it's, it's, you know, I'm, 
people look at it, and, you know, some people when they're reviewing a cigar, they'll look at a cigar and go, well, there's a noticeable vein here. And I'm like, well, good, that means it was a leaf. You know? <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, and it just, once again, it just, I love a good silky wrapper when I'm in the mood for a cigar that, you know, that's milder and ha or has a lot of really great, you know, those flavor essences and nuances. Sometimes just, hell, give me this broadleaf. You know, this broadleaf is just, you know, not a lot of tooth, but real oily. Yeah. You know? Um, so it just depends. And you said something earlier that I, I really appreciate, which is, you know, talking about how it's it's what that wrapper is meant to be. It's that natural form. Is So many people think about Maduro as being a very full-bodied wrapper leaf, but it traditionally isn't necessarily. Well, Maduro just means mature. Right. It just means mature. And that's talk. it's a measure of time. It's not a measure of body. I mean, there are some exquisite cigars out there from multiple manufacturers that, you know, are dark as night from appearance, but they're mild. Yeah. You know, they're, they're one, of the, one of the ones that come to my mind, and it's very, very good flavor to me. It's like an Ashton Magnum Maduro. Yes. Uh, that... Excellent cigar. Mm -hmm. Excellent cigar. Um, but it's not strong. No, it, it's more creamy. You get more yeah. of the cocoa, that kind of almost sweet flavor from Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's a very pleasant, flavorful cigar. And, you know, in this case, the, the diamond that we're smoking, you know, body. I, and this is fun to me because when I, I love meeting cigar smokers that aren't quite jaded and feel that they know it all yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys, guys like Shane. Um, no. <laughs> Thank you. No, you know, be here all night. No, the, um, but when I, um, when I think about this cigar, for example, to me, on body, it's very full because there's a lot of flavor going on there. But then you think in terms of strength, it's not super strong. So, you know, we're always thinking, you know, I love meeting those cigar smokers that are new to it so you can educate them. Because I think that an educated consumer base is a loyal and energetic consumer base. It's just, you know, the more you know about something, the more you want to partake in something. Right. right absolutely. Right? You know, humidors can be very, you know, retailers don't think about this sometimes. You know, a lot of them do. The really good ones do. But there is, as far as if you walk into a cigar shop, it's just a guy right now at Christmas that may smoke twice a year. I want him to smoke a cigar every week, at right. least. But when, you know, when that customer walks into the humidor, it's overwhelming, it's intimidating, and there's a great opportunity for a retailer there to either endear himself to a, or herself to a customer or uh, scare the hell out of a customer. And, and I really have always taken, you know, the first thing that I, any of the retailers that I ever did events with, any of the customers that have ever worked with me, the first thing I always ask is, what do you like to smoke? How often do you smoke? And it's okay if you can't answer the question, <laughs> you know, uh, because at that point it gives us then the opportunity to teach about things like body versus strength, um, that, that a full-bodied cigar doesn't have to just knock you on your butt. Uh, that type thing, like in the case of this diamond, for example. Mm -hmm. I don't like, to be honest with you, I, and on very rare occasion, I mean, I won't say I don't like, but a full-strength, full-bodied cigar is not something that I go to often. I mean, that's got to be what I'm doing for the rest of the night right. for me to do that. Um, people, you know, I smoke probably, if, if, I'm, you know, if I'm on the road, for example, I'm smoking maybe up to six to eight cigars in a day. Um, an average day for me when I'm just working from the office, probably about three cigars. And the majority of those are going to be what you would consider mild to barely over medium. Mm -hmm. 
because it allows me the ability to be able to sit back and enjoy nuance and enjoy flavor. Right. Uh, and instead of you know seeing my feelings at the end of the, you know at the end of the yeah. day. So so yeah, absolutely. There's something really great about being able to sit down for a cigar before dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, be able to enjoy a full-bodied, very flavorful, very nuanced cigar on an empty stomach. And and that's something that that I that I've started looking for. You know, I went through a period where it was, you know, knock me on my butt and just give me the strength and the flavor and the powerhouse every time. And then I just I burn out my palate on it. Yeah, so many people, so many people think that to get flavor, they have to get the strongest cigar they can find. I don't, you know, we we hear it pretty often. I want strong, I want spicy, I want you to punch me in the face. That's cool if that's what you like. I'm not deriding that at all. Thank you for smoking cigars. Right. But at the same time, don't sell yourself short because not every not every mild cigar tastes like a burning shoebox. There's some really flavor that 1987 Connecticut, bro. Mild, truly mild. It's mild, mild, mild. But the flavor, it's got spice on the retrohale, it's toasty, it's creamy, there's a lot going on. If you're just patient enough to sit back and focus on it. Yeah. Really, really nice cigar. And none of that sour, none of that sour, acrid, haven't been aged enough type thing. I'm, you know, it doesn't have that uh, walking through a rotting apple orchard type <laughs> thing going on. Uh, really, really nice flavor. But, but it's available across all spectrums of strength. You don't just have to sit and, and smoke straight Esteli Lajero all day long to be able to get flavor. Yeah. So we're coming toward the end of the show, but i got to ask this question. Been talking, we talk a lot about trends in the cigar industry. You know, we had a trend where everything was barrel aged for a while, and we had a trend where everybody went to really big ring gauges. Mm-hmm. And now I'm starting to see it pop up. More people start talking about the capping of the cigar. You know, is it a triple cap? Is it a double cap? Is it just a standard? Do you see more of that coming out? Or what kind of trends do you kind of see coming toward us? I haven't seen any trending regarding capping of the cigar. How the cigar is capped is based on the factory, and that's not going to change. Unless it's unless it's a niche-type thing where the with a pigtail or... You know, something like that, a fuse or, or, or whatever. <laughs> That's not going to change. It's based on the factory, and honestly, it doesn't matter. Um, the uh, any, tr- I, I do see a couple of, I do see some trends that are good. Uh, the one that comes to my mind the quickest is a trending more towards traditional vitolas. Um, I see people being able to, or uh, are, are wanting to try Lonsdale's. Wanting to try Corona Gordas, which Corona Gorda is my desert island size, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, and, and I see that happening a little more often. It might be slightly economic where people are watching their pennies, you know. Um, the, the, thing that, you know the thing that people are beginning to realize is just because a cigar is bigger doesn't mean that it's stronger. In fact, usually the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I see a lot of people that are going more towards classic sizes, and that excites me. Not necessarily Lanceros. You know, right. uh, everybody, you know, Lanceros are a retailer's real pain in the butt because everybody's like, man, I love this in a Lancero, and then they buy it, and nobody buys Lanceros. <laughs> um, but but they, even though they are delicious. Um, but traditional sizes, for sure. Uh, I know that, that our, you know, 
Well, that double perfecto. I mean, that's as traditional as it comes in this country. Of course, of course. I mean, that you look back at the old old cartoons back when smoking was good for you, and (laughs) um, you know all you know all those guys were smoking double perfectos. Right. You know, that's that's as as an as American as it gets, as traditional as it gets. Um, But I but I see a lot of that. You know, of course, you know the kings of of sales are always going to be robusto toro unless something changes. Um, But but that's one of the things that I see. that makes me feel really good. Uh, I, I think um, there's interest. There's some interest now in traditional brands that there has not been uh, in the past. You know, I'd say in the past five years. Five years ago, I would say that's not the case. Um, but you know, and look I'm, at what Nat Sherman has done in that. Of course, they've come back in a very big way. Of course, that time. And, and all those guys in Nat Sherman have done a fabulous job doing that. And that's a traditional brand, and and they. They've done their thing, and it's been a very good thing for the industry, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it opens up. There's so many people that I meet that got in at the height of the boutique cigar boom, and they've not smoked hardly any of the brands that made that possible. Right. You know, and, and that is not, you know, look, I think what a lot of the guys on the boutique side do are, is awesome. I'm a boutique guy. I started on the boutique side. Look, I'll never say you know anything negative about the boutique side of the industry because I think you know there's a lot of artisan artisanship, a lot of creativity, a lot of passion. I know these guys very very well, and many of them do excellent work. But there are a lot of cigar smokers out there now that are wondering, you know, what's new, what's new, what's new, and they're realizing that what's new is something that's extremely old, but they've <laughs> never but they've never smoked it. And then they smoke, you know, they come to a, a very traditional cigar, you know, blending style like La Aurora, and they go, I've never smoked this before. I'm like, well, yeah, this is what cigar smoke, you know, tasted like before you started smoking cigars. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I think, and, and then on the flip side, as far as Miami's concerned, look, the Nesta Miranda collection, that's a new school blending mentality. Pepin is on the leading edge mm-hmm. of, of, of that whole boom. And um, so that's why I like what we do at Miami Cigar is huge variety yeah. of what's available. And then, hell, DNA is an established older company doing something incredibly innovative and new. You know, where when's the last time that, you know, you, you, you get a cigar from, and there are a few blends that do this, but you get a cigar from La Aurora and you light it up and you go, oh, that's spicy. <laughs> and, and, and that's what a lot of people, especially in the Robusto and the Churchill and the DNA, my two favorite sizes, um, they, they get that. So I think now that, that the industry is kind of stretched out a little bit and, and flexed its creative muscles across the board, be they small manufacturers all the way up to the traditional big guys, now that we've all kind of stretched out and seen what we can do, now we have a huge chance to delight the customer. And it's incumbent upon us just to do good business and make great cigars. So do you guys have anything coming out that we should be on the lookout for that you can tell us about at this point? Not that I can tell you about just yet. Okay. I will say this. Um, next year is Toscano's 200th anniversary. Next year is Nestor's 75th birthday. <laughs> uh, uh, 2019 is Miami Cigar's 30th anniversary. Uh, like I said, next year is Tatiana's 20th anniversary. Uh, and we're not planning on just letting those numbers slide by. 
Excellent. Well, we'll be uh, so we're doing definitely, some good stuff. We'll be definitely be on the lookout for that. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show thanks tonight. For, thanks for having me. I loved it. I want to remind everybody that we love hearing from you. Uh, if you want to drop us a line, you can always get us by email, info at thecigarcast.com. We're on facebook.com slash thecigarcast and Twitter and Instagram both at thecigarcast. Oh, and by the way, one thing, uh, depending on how soon you put this out, um, on the follow us on the Miami Cigar Facebook page. Uh, just look up Miami Cigar and Company, and right now pinned to the top of our Facebook page, a very important thing that that I've been spearheading for the next, and it'll be out for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I want to hear from customers on what makes you choose cigars, and there's a survey, a really simple, quick survey. Just go to, and there, and we're even running a contest uh, on on the page right now. If you if you like, if you. Uh, if you share the post and take the survey, you're, we're going to be giving away a really nice lighter that we're having created. Um, but it's just asking questions about what makes you choose your cigar shop and what makes you choose or how do you, what influences you when you're choosing cigars. So uh, it's Miami Cigar and Company on Facebook, Miami Cigar on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me, Nate McIntyre, on Facebook. We're very active on that and we'll be glad to answer any questions that you have about anything that we do. Well, it's been an exciting podcast. I really enjoyed learning from you about this. And that's one of the things we really love to do on the show is learn about the different tobaccos, the Andullos, the Bragancas, the, all of the different treatments of tobacco. Even we both went to the Barn Smoker this year, the Kentucky Fire Cured Barn Smoker. It's exciting to see how the different treatments of tobaccos are really taking over the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that just thrills me to no end. But we're going to step away this week. Thanks again, Nate, for coming in and sitting with us. And we'll talk to you next week on the Cigar Cast.